Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church. Remember where we left off last week. If you've been to Calvary any at any time, we're just going to go verse by verse. So we got to remember what we talked about, okay? Last week, we're in the upper room, okay? Supper had ended. The foot washing was done. If we're a disciple, that's really tripping us out, right? Because this is our, this is our, this is our master. This is the one we're following. This is the one we've committed the last three years to. He gets up and he starts to wash feet. No, no, no. Don't do that, Jesus. This is for, this is for slaves. You're not a slave. You're a king. And Jesus washes feet. That trips us out. Okay. Then Jesus says something. He says, by the way, guys, one of you is going to betray me. Right? And so we're just like, what? Betray? And then, and then, and then he goes on and he tells Peter that Peter's going to deny him when all this is going to go down. Right? And after all this, the guys are totally stressed out. The Bible says that their, their hearts are perplexed. Matthew says that they were exceedingly sorrowful. That's exceedingly, it weren't just like, oh, I'm kind of bummed. This was like, what? What? Right? Mark records that basically says they're starting to ask, is it I? Who's going to betray? Is it me? Like, like he points out to Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. But the other time he's like, one of you is going to betray me. Is it me? Who is it? Who is it, Lord? And Judas turns around and he says, Lord, is it me? And, and that's when Jesus says, yes, Judas, it's you. You have said it. Yes, you have said it. So Judas gets up, leaves the room. We know that Satan had entered him, leaves the room. Okay, that's important. I want you to put, I want you to file that and say, Jesus, Judas has left the room. Okay, I got it. I got it. This is going to be important later on, right? And Jesus now proceeds to calm the fears of his disciples. How so? Well, last week we said that verse one, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in also in me. Now, I would like for you at this point, guys, in our Bible study to feel the weight of what's going on right here. Okay, I'm trying to paint a picture of the disciples stressed out. I'm trying to paint a picture of them perplexed. I'm trying to paint a picture of them just nervous and there's anxiety. And I mean, you know that. You know that in the room where you're just agitated. The word troubled is actually agitated. So you're just like, oh, I just, oh, can I do this, right? And I'm trying to paint this picture, okay? Now, again, what does Jesus do? Jesus looks at them, and I know he's smiling because he's our God, and it's amazing, right? Jesus, loving them, reminds them. He says, hey, guys, listen, I know you're perplexed. I know you're sorrowful. I know you're stressed. I know you're nervous. I know you're troubled. And here's what he says. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You go, what is he saying? You ready? He says, guys, don't be stressed out. Don't be stressed out. Have you ever had that happen to you when you're stressed out and somebody just goes, don't do that? You're like, good, don't tell me don't do that. I'm stressed out. Don't tell me out. How can you just tell me that? But Jesus does it. And what he's really saying, he says, don't, he says, stop it. Quit being agitated. Now, why can Jesus do this? Well, guys, if you're taking note, I want you to jot down. This is in the command form. Okay. The way it's structured, the way Jesus presented this is in the verb structure, but it's in its present tense. It's an imperative, but it's a negative. You go, what do you mean? What does this mean? Jesus is saying, guys, stop doing this. Go on refusing to do this. He's actually commanding them. Guys, don't be stressed. Don't be stressed. He's going to tell us why. But what I want you to see too is that the Holy Spirit also puts a stress mark 
on the word your. Let not your heart be troubled. And you go, why is that important? Because the stretch mark in, stress mark implies that it's very personal. If I were to just come up here and go, hey, everything's going to be okay. God bless you. You're like, that didn't mean anything to me. How how does he know it's going to be okay? What the Holy Spirit is saying, and he's looking and he's saying, right in your heart, your heart, it's going to be okay. Let not your heart. And I almost almost get the picture of Jesus looking to each one of his disciples with those eyes of compassion. He says, hey, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. Don't do this anymore. Don't do this. And you kind of feel you're like, okay, okay. He's talking to me. He's talking, it's not just a general statement, right? And so Jesus goes on and he's continued to teach them. And the reason they're stressed out is because, remember, he's been telling them that he's going to go away. He's out of here. He's going to. And, 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 and so, again, why are they stressed? Well, what he's going to do is say, listen, guys, I'm, I'm about to go away. I'm going to give you the assurance of heaven and that one day I'm going to come back. That's what we talked about last week, right? So in other words, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you. I'm going to receive you. The word receive means to take into fellowship. So you, you go, okay, so help me out here, Ben. Well, in order to feel the weight even more, okay, what I want to do is I want to kind of paint a picture and go back in time for just a moment, if you don't mind. And I want to, I want to dissect a little bit of the questions that the disciples were asking. Just, just a little bit, okay? And you go, why would you want to do that? Well, these questions to me are interesting due to the fact that they're asking questions, yet they've been with Jesus for over three years. And when I say been with Jesus, we're talking disciples, we're talking living with, we're talking every morning walking from Capernaum to Jerusalem back to the Galilee. We've, they've seen Jesus do miracles. They've seen Jesus speak. We're not even talking about what we know through scripture. We're talking about the intimate fellowship. They're hanging around the fire as they're, as they're making dinner and Jesus is teaching them. And I find these questions still interesting, even though they have spent three years with them. I also find them interesting because the questions we're going to look at, guys, they are similar to the questions we ask when we don't know the future. You see, they're going, Jesus is speaking some weird language because he's saying he's not going to be here. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for our future? And so these are the questions they come up with. See if you can apply that to your life when you go, Ben, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what next week is. I don't know what a month now. What's two years going to be like? And so we're tripping because we don't know the future. These are the same type of questions. You see, they're stressed because they don't know what tomorrow holds. And it was Albert Hubbard who once said, quote, If pleasures are the greatest in anticipation, just remember that this is also true of troubles. End quote. Now, let's go back looking at Peter's question to the Lord. Okay, I'm going to take you back just a little bit. We'll move pretty pretty forward. Verse 33 of chapter 13. Jesus is speaking. He says, little children... I shall be with you a little while longer. Guys, little children is his term of endearment. It's almost like when your papa comes and he gives you a hug and he says, I'm, it's okay, I got you. I got you when you're hurting and you're stressed. And, and, and it's that, little children. But what's he saying? Notice he's saying, I shall be with you a little while longer. He says, you will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, Okay, what did Jesus just say? Jesus said, I'm leaving you. 
We've been walking for the, I'm leaving y'all. What? Yeah, and, and by the way, where I'm going, you can't come. Well, that's, that stresses me out. And, and, and so Peter asked the question that we're all thinking. Simon Peter motioned, probably raised his hand, and said, Lord, yes, Peter, what is it? Lord, where are you going? Where are you going? Pete asks, Lord, where are you going? Right? Peter has been walking with Jesus, guys. Peter has been with him, walking with him. He's under the stress. I mean, what, what, why is he stressing? He's stressing because, I mean, he, Lord, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Where are you going? And so Jesus answers him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Let me stop right there. Have you ever asked somebody a question, but you didn't hear the answer? In other words, you asked the question and your mind started racing on whatever it could be that you really, and I don't think Peter heard the answer because here's the answer. Jesus looked at him and he said, he said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. I don't think Peter heard now, right? He said, but you will, you will. So in essence, Jesus is lovingly going, You're, you'll be okay, Peter. Don't worry about the future. You'll be okay. But sometimes in our lives, let's be honest, church, we'll ask a question and we won't wait for anyone to answer, much less God. God, I have a question. Please, please. Okay, I've got to run in. I've got to, I've got to fix it. And we won't wait for God to get it. And if God is giving the answer, sometimes we don't hear it. Just me? Can I get an amen from Joe? All right, good. So Jesus answered that question. But Peter, look, he, he, answered, he, he asked a follow-up question, right? He asked a follow-up question. Jesus said, listen, you're not going to come now, but you will. What does Peter say? Look at verse 37. And Peter said to him, Lord, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Why can't I go now? I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want to go to tomorrow without you, Lord. I don't want to go into next week. I don't know what's going to happen. Listen, I've been hanging out with these dudes. These dudes are disciples, but they're just, they're not real faithful. I don't know, man. They're just, why can't I go now? Why can't I go now? Now, this question to me reveals that, that Peter's a little stressed out at this point, wouldn't you say? Because then he goes on to say, I'm willing to lay down my life for you, Lord. I, I want to go with you now. I want to go with you now. But we know that Pete will fail in his brave attempt to follow Jesus to the cross. You go, Pastor, what's the application? Well, here's some application. Let's break this down just a minute. It's almost like Peter needs some assurance that what is about to happen in the next few hours is all part of God's divine plan. It's like, ah. Oh. And I love the fact that Jesus gives just this amazing assurance that his departure is not going to create any lag in ministry, but he's got it all planned. This is how it's all supposed to go down. And you go, well, what's the application? Guys, take a moment at your life and go, Lord, there are times I stressed out because I don't know what tomorrow holds and I'm a little scared. I don't know what next week is going to be like. Pastor, I've got kids and I'm, trying, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to pour into them, but it scares me what the future holds. And here's where you can say, Jesus is going to give you reassurance that as long as you hold on to him, he'll be with you every step of the way. 
The, the problem is, church, let's be honest, the problem is, is we say, if we have Jesus, then he should, he should fix this, this, and this, and we forget that Jesus is walking with us through those trials and tribulations, not necessarily going to take them away from us. Because sometimes trials in our lives are the very things that help us grow to walk closer to God. Do you like him? I don't like him. Mm-mm. Do I want to go through trials? Do I want to go through sicknesses? Do I want to go to suffering? No, no. But I know that they're good for me at times. I like to tell the kids, have you ever been spanked by God? You're like, no. Yes, you have. It hurts. But it's so good because he grows you up in just an amazing way. And so the application for us, Jesus is going to go, listen, listen, don't worry about, don't worry about the future. There's no lags in ministry. Okay, keep going. Keep going. There's no legs. Jesus tells them, I'm not going to leave you orphans. Of course, we'll talk about that more next week, right? We'll look at that in depth. But he says, I'm not leaving you orphans. Right? Peter stressed out. Lord, where are you going? Why can't I go now? Please don't leave me. Please, please, please. I feel like Peter's going to be holding the leg of Jesus, you know, like you do when, when, please don't go. Please don't go. I want to go with you, God. I want to go with you. I want to go with you. When Talia was really little, I had two daughters. Talia was really little, uh, three years apart. Talia got to the point where she just wanted to be with her daddy, okay? I would walk out, and I would jingle my keys, and Talia, wherever she was, whatever she was doing, she'd have that panic look, Daddy, don't leave me! She just wanted to go. No matter where I'd go. My younger daughter, Miranda, I would jingle the keys, and she'd be like, she'd be like a cat. You know what a cat does? What? You're going somewhere? Well, Miranda, you want to go with me? And she'd look at me and she'd go, are you going to buy me something? I was like, no, I'm just going to the store. No, thanks. Talia was like Peter. Talia would be like, I want to go with you now. I'm not buying you anything, Hita. That's okay. I just want to go with you, Daddy. And what's really cool now is that, is that my granddaughter has that saying, I want to go with you, Grandpa. I want to go with you, Grandpa. I want to go with you. Well, I'm just going to, I'm just, but then I do end up buying my granddaughter toys, so that's why she probably wants to go. That's Peter, guys. That's Peter. So he asked those questions. Now, let's move to the next question asked by uh, another disciple, right? This is going to be found in verse uh, 5 of chapter 14. This is none other than who? Thomas, right? And we know him as doubting Thomas. He's a twin. We don't know where his twin is, but he says Thomas the twin. And he asks a similar question, guys, that Pete asks, okay? Jesus tells the gang, don't be troubled, don't be stressed. I'm going to heaven, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And y'all, right, Jesus said, y'all know where I'm going and y'all know the way. Well, Thomas pipes up and he says to him, look at verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Right? That's his, that's it. Lord, here it is. I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to heaven. It's going to be amazing, guys. There's no legs in ministry. Thomas? Uh, Peter just asked you where you're going, but I have a question. Where are you going? I'm not sure. We don't know where you're going, Lord. Uh, we don't know where you're going, and I, I don't know the way. I don't, I don't know the way. Listen, I know how to get from here to there. I know how to get to Capernaum. Lord, we're in the upper room in Jerusalem. I, I know how to follow the Sea of Galilee. I, I could probably go down to the Dead Sea. I know that way. But where you're going, Lord, I don't know where you're going. I don't know where you're going. Guys, any of you ever feel like Thomas at times? Asking Jesus, 
right? Lord, what are you doing? What, I, I'm not, I don't see... I, Lord, give me a sign in the sky, please. Where are you? We don't know how to... And, and the Lord's like, calm down, calm down. Notice the Lord's purposeful assurance to this question. Notice what he says. And Jesus answered him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now that you have known me, he said to them, you will know my Father also. And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Give me 30 seconds on this point. Jesus told Peter, let me reassure you, Peter. I mean, Thomas. Thomas, let me reassure you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You guys with me? Last week, we discovered that what Jesus meant, he wasn't saying that he knew the way or he could show you the way. He said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here's what we learned. We learned that that statement means, you ready? That statement means that Jesus is the answer to all of your problems. Hold on. Don't say amen yet. Don't say amen. Because we have stinking thinking at times, whenever we run into a real, whenever we have real life situation like Thomas, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know why I keep thinking this. Here's what we do. We take a verse like this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and we stick it over like a Band-Aid. And we know that he's the answer to our problems, and we know that he is the answer. He is the way, but stay with me, okay? The problem is, is that we'll put it on a band, like a band-aid, but we still have, we still have the thinking that doesn't result in him being the real answer to that problem. Because we're forgetting the process to get there. Somebody says, What's wrong with you? Oh, I've this. I've got this going on in my life. I got that. Whatever problem, somebody says, "Well, here's a verse for you. I got a verse. How about a verse?" And we'll take that verse, guys, and we'll go, "Amen." But we'll never apply it in the process form of what of just thinking on it, meditating it, let it do its work inside before we can actually say, "Yes, he is. He is the answer to my problem." And when we miss the process, guys, when we miss the process of creating, creating um, healthy thinking, well, then we, we say one thing, but then we live another way. Making sense? You tracking with me? We, so we got to allow the process, okay? Don't just slap, uh, uh, hey, Pete, listen, Thomas, it's the way that you... No, 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 he's the answer, and if he's going to be the answer to your problem, begin the process of allowing that to do its work. I was told it takes 63 days to create a new behavior, a new habit. You go, I thought it was 21 days. The brain works in three 21-day cycles. So it takes 63 days for you to actually create a, a new way, a new behavior pattern. You go, what does that mean? Well, here's what I'm going to try. If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life... I want to meditate on that for the next 63 days. 
and see how it affects the way I think. So separate, separate, whole separate thing. I just want to kind of throw you. Be careful, guys, when we're trying to encourage somebody that we don't just slap a verse on it and say, there you go, why, why, why don't you just take every thought captive? Well, what does that mean? Because so, so we've got to do the process. We've got to work the process. So that's the question that Timothy has. So the next question is proposed by Philip, verse 8. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Show us the Father, right? And, and so again, Philip seems to be under um, a bit of anxiety. You could say Philip is feeling the stress of the other questions, right? Because he's saying, Lord, show us who the Father is. And it's not so much a question as much as it's a, what? It's, a, it's really a command. He's not saying, will you show us the Father? He's going, okay, listen, I'm tired, I'm stressed. Show us the Father. Now you go, now Ben, hold up, hold up. How can you say that Philip is under some stress? At first glance, we see that this is kind of a question slash statement being asked. But if you circle that word for show, it's in the Greek verb, right? It's in the Greek, it's in the verb form, and it shows it's a command form. In other words, Philip isn't just going, hey, mate, listen, if you get a chance, could we see, could we see God? He's going, okay, this, listen. Okay, Jesus, just show us the Father. And that'll be enough. That's all, right? And when I was thinking about it this morning, my mind went over to who? Do you remember Moses? Moses was, Lord, show me your glory. Lord, show me. And, and God's, like, God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to show you the backside. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you behind the cleft. And, 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 and I started to think about this. I think that's really what a lot of people's hearts are. God, if you just show me yourself, if you just, listen, I believe in you, God. If you would open up the sky and you would just show me your radiance for just a moment. Okay, I believe. And that's what Philip is doing. He's stressed out that he's saying, listen, this is a command form. This is command. Commanding Jesus to show them the Father. Well, questions, right, and statements, they show concern that they're tripping about the future. But Jesus is saying, let me give you some assurance, okay? Let me, let me come and bring some comfort, okay? And that's what we're going to look at today moving forward. Now, verse 11 is our intro to verses 12 and 14. Look at verse 11. It says, he sees, it says, believe me. Everybody see verse 11? You know that word believe in the Greek is pisteo. It means put your faith and trust in me. Believe in me, right? With uh, uh, confidence is that word. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He's saying, guys, believe me. And, and, and so I'm trying to put myself into disciple sandals and I'm going, okay, if Jesus said just believe me, I might have a little bit of doubt. I might be like, okay, but, but Lord, I know I've been with you three. I saw some miracles. He says, okay, but if you can't even go there, notice what he says, or else believe me for the sake of who? Of the works themselves. If, hey, listen, if you can't really put your trust in me yet because I haven't gone to the cross, I haven't resurrected, you guys seen the works. You saw the works, okay? And so we're sitting here nodding our head. Now, he's going to give us some assurance. He's going to give us some assurance, okay? As we come to our verse-by-verse teaching of God's word, we often come to scriptures, guys, that we actually have to do some work. Verses 12 to 14 are actually promises and prayer, but we need to take a step back. We need to use the science of interpretation to get the most out of the text. You go, what do you mean? One of the hermeneutics rules is this. Ready? You can jot this down. Original audience relevance. 
original audience relevance. Whenever you do the science of interpretation, you've got to use the rules. You've got to use this. And you go, okay, who was the original audience? Well, what was this all about, right? And so who is Jesus talking to in this verse? And if he's not talking to you and I in the 21st century, how do we apply this verse? That's the questions, okay? So we do know that this verse is on prayer and encouragement And these are some of the most difficult in all Scripture to understand. But remember the context. We're in the upper room, okay? He's got, it's not public anymore. It's just his disciples, and he's going to offer some encouragement. They're tripping. They're they're stressed. They're freaked out because they're thinking, our leader, our Messiah, you, our lead. what do you mean you're dying? Oh, I thought we were going to take this to the next level. (laughs) What? And I'm looking over to Brother Joe, and I'm looking to Brother Scott, and I'm going, is this true? Can I, are you hearing the same thing I'm hearing? And we're stressed, and God's going, calm down, calm down, calm down. Jesus is going to give me some encouragement and some comfort, right? That's what he's going to do to those who are worried and stressed by the news that he's leaving him. And then Jesus is going to tell them, he's going to comfort them by saying, you know what? Greater works are you going to do than I did. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, let's take a look at verse 12. Okay, we're going to do some digging. You guys ready? Verse 12, he says, Jesus speaking, same context. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name... That will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And you go, Amen. Let me hear it. Because now at first read, we pretty just, there are times when we just read over this and we go, okay, Amen. Lord, Amen. But, But if we were to slow down just a little bit and actually look at it, does it not propose some deep thought questions? You go, I don't know. Read it again. Jesus is speaking. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. You go, well, what question does that propose? Well, jot this down. Okay, this is important. One in particular. This would be a question we would ask based on this verse. Can believers... In Jesus Christ, really do all the Bible tells us we can do? That's a question. Can believers in Jesus really do all the Bible tells us we can do? That is a great question. That's a great question. You say, why? Well, let's take a step back. Here's my problem, okay? My problem is says the Bible says that by what? By the faith of a mustard seed, I can say to this mountain, be gone, okay? And yet, I'm thinking there's even smaller prayers in my life that seem to go unanswered. So I'm going, you're telling me one thing, but but I'm seeing the result a little bit different. Well, how so? Well, there are times when I'm being called to the hospital, and I'll pray for healing. I'll pray that God would just, just eradicate that cancer in the name of Jesus and rise up and walk and... And they still lie there. Lord, 
But Lord, you said, Lord, there are times I really want to see miracles happen. If I'm going to do works that Jesus worked, I'd like to walk on water or maybe turn water into wine. Do something amazing, right? Lord, I want to do a miraculous sign that everyone in Lubbock would be at this church because they'd be like, wow, I saw him. He was at the tech game and he turned water into wine. This was crazy. But let's break down this verses, guys. Let's break down this verses. And let's see how they can apply to our lives. Let's look at it. Let's pull it down a little bit. Okay, verse 12. Jesus says, most assuredly, or truly, truly, or amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he will, also, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Here's what we need to note, guys. The audience right now is the disciples in the upper room. The picture I painted was that he's giving them this assurance after all the questions that were asked and even those that were thought of that weren't asked. He's trying to calm their fears. They don't know if the ministry is going to continue. They don't know what's going to happen to them. They don't, Peter's like, I don't know. Am I going to go back to fishing? I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, we left everything to walk with you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, most of you should calm down. There's no lag in ministry. Jesus gives the assurance that his disciples are not going to, what, that he's not going to create a breakdown in the ministry. It's going to continue to go forth. Why? Because he starts off by saying this, let not your heart be troubled. Don't stress anymore. And then he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, who's he speaking to? Help me, church. The disciples, right? Help me. Who's not there? So Judas is gone. Did Judas believe in Jesus? He didn't have that belief. So he waited to speak words of encouragement to those who believed. You're like, oh, that's why you said. Well, what's he saying? He's saying the works, in quotes, that I do, he will do also. Greater works than he will do. Now, why? Why why, Why is he giving his comfort? Well, again, I can't tell you to stop stressing unless I tell you why. Let me give you the reason behind you shouldn't stress. He says, because I go to the Father, right? And if I go to the Father, he says, I'm going to send you another helper. And the word another, we'll see next week, is the one another of the same kind. He says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. You guys are going to, be, you're going to do even greater works because, because of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want you to picture in your mind, at this point, the disciples were probably going, please, Jesus, don't go, please don't go, please don't go. You're doing so many works. You're healing people all through all of the region of Israel, and you're, you're down in Galilee, and, and people are coming back, and they're, they're demon-possessed, and Lord, we need you. Jesus says, no, no, it's to your advantage that I go away, because when I go away, then I can send you the Holy Spirit in order for you to do what? Even greater works. Even greater works. Okay, let's do some work. You guys ready? What is he talking about when he talks about works? And Well, oftentimes we'll read verses like this and it confuses us. You go, why? Why would it confuse me? Well, here's why. Note this. Because Jesus is talking to, he says, he who believes. Now, I would raise my hand and go, Lord, I believe. I believe in you. I, I don't doubt. I believe in you. I'm, am I the one who believes? And so if I believe, here's my question. Lord, why can't I do greater works than you did when you were on this earth? Why can't I? 
Well, my heart condemns me right off the bat. Well, do you really believe? Do you really believe? Well, of course I believe, Lord. I believe as best I've, I, I, Lord, there is, I pray to you and in prayer alone means I believe. I'm not just saying, so why can't I do this? Why? Well, I don't, I'm not, Lord, I'm not getting this. You know, Lord, I'd like to see miracles. I'd like to see healings. I would like to see, I mean, you know what? I'd like to see all the works and greater works than Jesus did in my life. But when we begin to apply this verse to our lives, we find out very quickly that it doesn't seem true in reality. And so one or two things happens to your spirit. You go, oh, okay, I guess maybe I just don't have enough faith. Or you go, I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I don't know. It's one of those questions when I get to heaven, I'll ask the Lord, how come I couldn't, how come I couldn't do this? How come I couldn't do this? Okay, so let's chat for just a moment. Jesus tells his disciples, okay, audience, right? Revelance, right? Jesus tells his disciples, you guys are going to do far greater works than I did. And you're like, okay, okay. You need to know that the disciples did fulfill this promise in their lifetimes. Okay? Peter, guys, think about this. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he preached a message and 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. Jesus never preached a message where there were 3,000 souls added. Oh, so it was fulfilled. The book of Acts, guys, shows us that the church carried the gospel to the ends of the earth from Jerusalem. Here's what you need to see. When Jesus did works, his geographical region was all around Israel. Okay? He would go from Galilee up to Capernaum, over to it, to Jerusalem. That's, that's kind of where he stayed. He says, you're going to do far. Acts said, we're going to take it from Jerusalem and we're going to go to the, what? The farthest ends of the world. Okay? The farthest ends of the world. Now, for the sake of time, I cannot give you everything that the disciples and the apostles did after Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. But we know this. We know that they healed people. We know that they, you know, silver and gold have I none in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. We know that they probably did far more miracles than we ever knew. And so I believe that they did just as well greater works than what Jesus did. Now, the greater works are to the extent of a geographical area. You go, what do you mean? Well, think about it like this, okay? Think about it like, I believe there are times, I really believe, that throughout our history, that people have, in the name of Jesus, actually healed somebody. Would you agree? Would you agree that there were miracles that were done? Things that you cannot explain. I believe throughout history, in the name of Jesus, people who are dead, they rose from the grave, from the dead. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that happens all the time. So what I want to say to you, so you don't go out of here going, well, my prayers don't work. Yes, prayers and praying, it's all throughout Scripture. And yes, that is, it. That is. I mean, if God's going to use you, he will use you. But in this context today, what Jesus is saying to his disciples is you're going to do greater works in extent, listen to me, through the worldwide preaching of the gospel. That's context. This should, for you, put a relief in going, oh, okay. So he's not talking about walking on water. He's not talking about, he's not talking about turning water into wine. He's not talking about raising the dead. What he's talking about is the, the, the works are the preaching of the gospel. 
the preaching of the gospel. And that's how we can apply it. You go, what do you mean? Okay, think about this. The word works that Jesus is talking about is actually, uh, the definition is this, that which one normally does. Work, task, giving, the responsibility to his servants, to each one, his particular work. So when you look up the word work, it wasn't like, wow, it was something supernatural. And, and did you see that Ben just waved his hand? And well, he parted, you know, Lake Allen Henry. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's not, that's not what he's saying. The same work that Jesus, what was Jesus really? He, he wasn't known really for miracles, was he? Although he was a miracle worker. Jesus' purpose was to to share the good news so that people would be saved. And he would go, all the time he preached, guys, he would preach in what? The good news. Telling people about about heaven. Telling how they can be forgiven. You you see this? And so again, that's the works. Now you go, well, Ben, I got a question. How does it apply to us? Well, think about this. We have and we are, guys, in fact, going farther than Jesus ever did physically. Physically preaching the gospel message around the world, yes, even all the way to Lubbock, Texas, from Jerusalem. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, Lubbock is pretty far from Jerusalem. It takes a long time to get there. And yet, he says, listen, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to save, and I'm going to anoint, and the message is going to spread. That's the works, guys. And so we need to be careful that we're not going, God, I believe and I can't do anything. I prayed and they don't do nothing. What's wrong with me? Or maybe what's wrong with you, right? Instead, we go, oh, okay, okay. So how can I fulfill this? I just tell my next door neighbor about Jesus. How do I do it? Invite him over for dinner. I just love on him. Guys, let's be careful that, that again, in, in preaching the gospel, we're not so... We're not so straightforward that we offend, but we love people. And then they'll see our lives and they'll ask, what's wrong? What's, what's up with you? Let me tell you about Jesus. We are, we are a, we are a I, don't know, I was going to say gospel-saturated. We're a religious-saturated world where you, can, you hear that at any time. But what people want to see is they want to see it in your life. Okay, they've heard it enough. Hey, bro, are you saved? Hey, do you know Jesus? Hey, Jesus is looking for you. Hey, and all of this stuff. And they, and they have that switch that automatically turns that off. Oh, okay, you're, you're, you're a Christian. Okay, whatever. What they want to see is they want to see Ben Martinez live it out to the extent that I can. They want to see, see Joe living it out to the extent. Now, they don't want to see us live out our faith just so we get a check mark. You guys know what I'm talking about? You don't want to live it and go, oh, well, of course you feed this, or of course you do this, or of course, you know, because that's your check mark. And once you do, they want to see it real every day. And there might be times when you can't physically meet a need, but you can pray and you can love on somebody and you can hold them and you can help them. And then there are times when God's provided where you can physically, you know, you can say, hey, let me pay for this, or let me do that, or, or let me, there's my truck, you can borrow it to do, to move whatever you need. They want to see that in our lives. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Now, there might be times in your lives, guys, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he wants to use you to heal somebody. Our pastor, Pastor Chuck, said one time in a conference, he said that he went to pray for somebody in a wheelchair and as he prayed, he felt the power of the Spirit and this person was healed. 
And he was so blown away. And then the next time he did it, it didn't happen. And he was so frustrated. He was like, Lord, it, this person I prayed and healed, and I just, can we do this? And, and it's because it belongs to the Lord. And again, there's going to be times when God wants to use you guys, the Holy Spirit, and to perform a miracle. But in the context, you guys with me? It means the preaching of the gospel message, the good news to the world. You go, well, what does that mean? He who believes, that's us. Do you believe today? In me, right? He who believes in me, to a greater extent of sharing the gospel, will I give him? New deal. God's going to go, right? We're going to, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Here's what I love. Guys, the Bible tells us that when all the world heals, all the world hears is when Jesus is going to come back. We're getting real close, don't you think? All the world, with technology and everything else, everybody's going to hear the gospel. So we're ready to go, but that's, that's the extent. That's the extent. How are we going to do that, church? Well, Jesus gave us the assurance. He said, because I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm going to send you another helper. And then he gives us another promise in prayer, guys, verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, okay, he's still talking, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Let me give you the main rules of hermeneutics, okay, the science of interpretation. Context, context, context. You know, why is that important? Because Jesus says to his disciples and to us, whatever you ask in my name, okay, Ask is in the aortis infinitive, it's an anticipated fact, and it's to successfully bring about, right? And it also means to ask for with urgency. So Jesus says, listen, and whatever you ask, what's the context? The context is the preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth, amen? So he says, whatever you ask in my... You, you got you to gra- grasp this, this is going to be important, okay? Oftentimes, you will hear people who will simply tag in Jesus' name to the end of what we pray for. Context, that's not what he's saying. Well, well, wait a minute, he says, whatever I ask in his name, he's going to do. So, Lord, and then we'll go on prayer, and then what do we say? In Jesus' name. Okay, if Jesus said it, there it is, boom, 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 right? Think about this. If we just simply ask a tagline, if Jesus, in Jesus' name is a tagline, we would say something like this. Lord Jesus, I would like a million dollars. In Jesus' name. Now, you'll hear, you'll hear a preacher say, he's bound to give me what I ask for. No, 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 no. You ready? To pray in Jesus' name means to pray that all he embodies, his character, his will, and his glory. Prosperity preachers love to take this verse out of context. And we have to preach the Bible in context. You go, well, well how, should, how should he use it? Whatever you pray for, guys, as long as it prays that what? That it embodies God's, Jesus' character, his will. We know his will and his glory. You can pray in that name. Jesus said, what we ask in his name Do it so the Son may be glorified. 
When you understand this principle, it would be hard to ask for an 82-inch Samsung TV in the name of Jesus. Because the Spirit then would go, how is God going to be glorified? Really, how is you having an 82-inch Samsung flat-screen TV, how is that? You guys see the point. The point is, is that we have to be so careful, and this is what the teaching of the Word of God does. The Word of God says, okay, if you're going to ask the Lord, Lord, I would love if you blessed me with an 82, but I'm not going to ask it in Jesus' name and Lord, and, and try to hold you to Scripture. Well, you said whatever I ask in your name, that's what you'll do. I'm saying, okay, I got to finish. I got to finish. I'm going to close. Josh is going to make his way up here. Here's what the Bible says, and here's what I want you to see. You guys ready? Jot this down. Psalm 37, verse 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay? Psalm 37, verse 4. You know what delight means? Delight means treat yourself to God. Treat yourself to God. When I find that I treat myself to God, my desires are no longer give me this, give me that, give me this, give me, can I have this? When I treat myself to God, I'm usually going, God, give me this people. Lord, Lord, this, these people need you. Lord, it's, it, it's, it's all about the gospel message. It's all about the gospel message, right? When we do that, he gives us the desires of the heart. And my desires become more of his desires. And I can pray, guys, just like he says. He says, if I ask anything in his name, he's going to do it. Why? Because in the context... I'm going to ask for people. Joe said this yesterday. Joe said, there's one thing better than going to to heaven. And what's that? Taking somebody with you. Lord, give me the desires of my heart. Give me the desires of my heart. And make those desires for people and for your will and your character and and that you may be glorified. May they never look at us and glorify us. May they look at us as simply a mirror to reflect the glory of God. That's it. Our life should just be, listen, I'm just a reflector. And when I pray, I pray that God would be glorified. My life, my marriage, my job, the things that I do, and the things that I fail to do. May God be glorified in that. Amen. Father, thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. Thank you, God, that you speak to us. Thank you that your spirit is moving. Pray, Lord, that we would take this and chew on it and, and let it affect our Monday and our Tuesday and our Wednesday, Lord. We love you. We worship you now. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.